You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to episode 12 of the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. I am Mark. As always, I am joined by Maddie and Gordy. Good afternoon, everybody. How are we today? Uh, It's a sad day in Flames country, but it's not too bad of a day for me. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. So last night, five goals for the Blues. None for the Flames. Uh, this is now a franchise record for Calgary. This is the first time they've ever been shut out in three straight road games. That's 1980 until now. This is the first time that it ever happened. Counting just Calgary, not counting Atlanta. Um, they've also um, haven't scored a goal, obviously, in three games. They haven't scored a goal, but they haven't scored a goal first in nine straight, which seems mind-blowing to me and one of those nine straight was a game where they beat new jersey five to two so it is possible for them to potentially win a game if they don't score first but um on to last night um did anybody see anything semi-positive out of last night's five nothing loss to the blues kind of actually i feel like if my positivity starts to get just really really nauseating just tell me just give me the hook we'll do (laughs) but No, I think the Blues have given them a lot of trouble recently, Uh, not just this season, the last couple, but they still, I was looking at the stats, still got the better of the shot attempt share. So they were generating a bunch more chances than St. Louis, uh, which isn't nothing considering how tight their team defense is. Um, Just unfortunately, couldn't convert on any of those, which right now means a lot more, but I don't know. I'm not super, super upset with the the overall process. Gordy, your uh, thoughts? I thought a good representation of how the game last night went was, you know, Manjapani gets absolutely made part of the ice at the blue line and, you know, Ronaldo and whoever sticks up for him and then the Flames get scored on on the penalty kill. So that was that's probably a good summary of the game for me last night. What you mean, grit and energy don't always <laughs> automatically equal goals? That's Listen, not you guys a perfect fix. You haven't heard. The flames have to get bigger, slower, and tougher. Okay, they can't be small and fast. Okay, super, super last working. night, you see? Yeah, exactly. And I, I want actually, what if we could probably touch upon that for a minute? What, what has Andrew Mangiapane done to make everybody <laughs> so angry in the NHL? He is constantly getting run over. I mean, I like his. Like, Maddie and I we talked about it last week. I like his. His, his his little spunk that he's got going on where he's not afraid to get in somebody's face. Like the fact that he actually got into um whose face did, oh we get into Ryan Reeves' face the other day. I'm like, oh my god, Reeves, please don't kill him, Reeves, please don't kill him, please don't kill him. You know, so I like that he's he's got that going for him, but I don't think he's really done anything to constantly just get destroyed. No, Is he or like I, did super I miss annoying on the ice. Do we know? 
Maybe. I don't know, you know, because it's like Gaudreau's about that same size. And you figured people would want it. Well, not now because he's not scoring. But, you know, when he used to put the puck in the net, people would want to, you know, maybe take a run at him just to be like, all right, enough, dude. Stop scoring. But, like, Manjupana just kind of goes out there and does his thing. And every time they turn around, you're like, oh, look, he's in pieces again on the ice. Someone grab his leg, send him to the room. I think Manjapani is one of the last few forwards that can actually score. So he just he's just the target every night now. So you're saying Derek Ryan's got the target on him? <laughs> everybody up, they're done. Oh, anybody think that hit was? Was everybody good with that hit? Um, yeah, you know, that, was, that was a good hit. That was yeah, as much as it hurts to say, but that was a good hit. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the big talk last night was like, oh, he left his feet. And I'm like, well, he left his feet because he went through him at a million miles an hour. And the feet came up afterwards. And he hit Manjapani in the head because Manjapani comes up to his waist. There's no, <laughs> you know, that's like me running my kid over. You know, like it's, they're just small. He's in the way. You know, it happens. So, so uh, and again, like the another thing that was brought up that, I mean, you know, they had uh, Ronaldo jumped in real quick and Jankowski jumped in. And I'm like, oh, wow, he's actually on the he's playing tonight. I didn't even know Jankowski was suited up until he climbed on the pile. But um, nothing happened after that, though. Like Calgary had a good amount of time to go. All right. We're not going to win this game. So let's maybe exert some force and maybe do something in crickets. Did anybody have a problem with that? Yeah, just I don't know. It just seems like the Flames go to sleep on a nightly basis for. However, if it's a period or a couple of shifts, it's just every game now. And yeah, it sure seemed like that was just it. That was somehow the turning point against the Flames was that little skirmish. Fair enough. Yeah, funny how that works out. <laughs> well, it's tough now because Lucic is now an offensive powerhouse, so he can't use his grit anymore. <laughs> he and the he and the third line have taken over as uh, apparently the only three people who give a damn outside of who's playing goal that night. Uh, so I can't fault Lucic. He's getting a lot of garbage today on Twitter and everything else. But listen, guys, back off. Lucic is like a an attempting to produce point machine right now so he can't fight anymore he's got he's carrying the weight of the team's offense on his shoulders with that line um uh, yeah just i don't know like i maddie to go back to your point i mean calgary has really struggled in st louis it's they've lost seven of their well, now make it eight of their last 11 trips which is that it's you know we know anaheim's bad i feel like in dallas is tough and Vegas has become the new Anaheim, but I feel like St. Louis is that real quiet, like, wow, I didn't realize how bad they are there. And it showed the blues looked like a team that won the Stanley cup and has a chance to go back. They just looked like a fully connected, ready to go hockey team as Calgary did not. So I know St. Louis is going to become the, uh, the poster boy for underachieving teams now too. If you fire your coach, you can go on a mid-season turnaround and win the cup. So we'll see if that ever at works. Toronto. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you look at it like Toronto fires Babcock. They win a game. They're immediately back to five hundred. They're in the they're in the chase, and you're like, man, it just must have really hated Babcock. <laughs> just move on. But then, if you read the everybody else seems to not like Babcock anywhere across the NHL. So I guess. That makes sense. But that's a, another problem the Flames will have to deal with uh, later on down the line this week. But that was another one of the big things that kept coming back at us as we posted the recap last night of how bad the Flames were. And it was like, oh, the Blues were just as bad last year. And I'm like, I, yeah, okay, but different scenario. The Blues kind of look like a team that wants to play hockey and win. The Flames currently eh, kind of going through the motions. Aside from 
their new top line of Ryan, Dubé, and Lucic. <laughs> Does anybody like if you had said if we had all sat down and said, "Hey, you know what's going to um, when the Flames start to struggle in the t- line that's going to the grouping that's going to carry them through will be Lucic, Dylan Dubé, and Derek Ryan." What would anybody's thoughts have been at that point? Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I I honestly just think we were living in a simulated reality and you were <laughs> making that up somehow. Like right. we've like, into oh, the twilight zone. Yeah, right. That old airplane. Look at him. He's, he's sniffing glue. Good for him. Awesome. <laughs> Put the drugs down, son. And that line will never work. But it has to because things aren't working. So let's let's bury last night's five nothing game and look ahead to hopefully <laughs> not getting buried the rest of this road trip but so we brought up uh we did our first actually i think it's our first or second in-season roundtable and um last week about you know if the flames are going to make a trade should they make a trade who should they trade and i think we joked about it last week maddie was it's everybody's just like well you got a deal for leak and you got a deal bennett and you got a deal jankowski oh great yeah there's a trio of players that nobody in the nhl wants right so you're not going to get any you're going to trade jankowski and get a jankowski or less back so wonderful that's that's not a good is it time to the flames now i mean they've already lost one game on the road trip philly's been struggling um they finally won the other night after losing four they've been winning and losing games in overtime it's like philadelphia's like no you know what? we're gonna give everybody what their money's worth we're just gonna keep playing we're gonna keep playing overtime sounds great shootout sign sound wonderful they were playing well pittsburgh's always a tough draw and you know buffalo you know buffalo's a beast right now so i don't think you're gonna see them trade anybody this afternoon i mean i could be wrong they've done stranger things before but if they lose three of the four on this road trip, is it time to maybe make some sort of drastic move? I guess, Maddie, you can go first. I'll think about this for a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I I think I've probably established myself by now as being pretty anti-shakeup trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing I keep coming back to is like, I mean, number one, two years ago the flyers lost 10 in a row and still made the playoffs and they didn't do any sort of shake-up trade they just took some patience played their way through it and just found a way to work it out and i think i kind of think that's gonna work here like i said earlier the process overall isn't awful it's not like they're going out every single night and getting just buried by shots and just can't generate anything it's they're doing well at least in generating chances um eventually the bounces are going to start going their way it sucks right now like it sucks so bad but i just think if you give them a chance to play through it and then see if maybe you have to make some tweaks to the core um that's a different story but i don't know that you're necessarily gonna make a huge impact just doing the shake-up trade to hopefully maybe spark something fair enough gordy uh yeah i'm i'm kind of in the same boat where if they do do something i don't think it'll be you know it it won't be a knee jerk any type of reaction trade especially if it's going to be like a franchise altering trade like that'll probably be at the earliest probably around the trade deadline if not off season but you know if if we can put faith in one thing it's that you know our gm 
Brad Shelving, he's he's really good at making trades, I think. So if you know if we're trading Gaudreau or someone significant, I don't think we should be too worried about that. Like it'll 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 probably be fair both ways. If if of course something like this happens. Yeah, and that's the now other tough thing about a uh, potential Gaudreau trade is number one, value is lower right now, and you're not necessarily definitely going to get fair value. Also, they're super hampered right now by their cap situation because. If you want a good player back, probably they're going to cost more money than Gaudreau's making right now. So it, it, it would be really tough to make a move that works. Because um, if you're currently trying to offload somebody to make a shakeup, another team probably isn't going to want your your cap dump as well. Well, exactly. And you, you mentioned the the magic name, I think, that unfortunately, if Calgary was going to deal somebody, I think it would be Gaudreau. Um, I just don't know how much of a market there is. You don't, I don't think you're hearing people knocking down Calgary's door looking for Sean Monahan or Michael Backlund and his eight points, um, you know, or an aging Mark Giordano who's making a lot of money. I just don't see um, any of those guys. I mean, they probably could deal them, but I don't think you're going to get what you want for Sean Monahan, whereas Gaudreau probably would be the guy if you were going to deal that you could get almost close to equal value for but you do bring up a good point right now teams know calgary struggling and struggling will be very a polite term for their play as of late um so you know if johnny gaudreau is worth a dollar you might not even get 75 cents for him right now you know type deal on that stuff and being a great brad trey living does a great job of structuring contracts where you've got a bona fide nhl superstar locked up for under $7 million. There aren't a lot of those in the NHL anywhere. So it does make it tough to deal him, especially when you have like 87 cents left under the cap. You don't have a lot of wiggle room. So you're going to be like, okay, you take Gaudreau and Jankowski and Bennett and uh, and it to match up to the $10 million salary you're going to have to take on the other end. It just doesn't seem, if they wanted to, it's going to take some serious uh, math wizardry to make any kind of trade happen. But I agree. I don't think that any kind of trade is imminent right now. But if this continues down the line, they may just do something just to do it. I mean, they teams do it. And, you know, Calgary doesn't exactly have the um, greatest history when trading um, star players to other locations. Um, you know, Martin, St. Louis, Brad Hall, um, Doug Gilmore. Um, uh, who else? Who else am I forgetting? <laughs> just keep going down the line. Or they wait until Jerome McGinn is worth a nickel and then deal him at the end of his career. So, um yeah i'm I'm kind of with you guys uh i'm gonna paraphrase michael michael said i think the other night the quote was uh we'll say forget it burn <laughs> it to the ground get rid of this core <laughs> start fresh um very passionate in the moment but you know, i could kind of see um maybe some sort of major shakeup if it's oh and four and then it's 10 in a row and then it's 11 in a row if they come back from this road trip you know and at least it's looking a little better. Maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel. But um, we'll get to that next. Um, we're going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox, and we will be right back after this. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. 
Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to episode 12 of The Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. It's Mark, Maddie, and Gordy here this afternoon, and our podcast right now is kind of like what I see out my window. It's cold, it's gray, there's no bright colors on the trees, it's pretty sad and depressing. So we uh, touched upon Calgary's wonderful showing in their 5 nothing loss to the St. Louis Blues on Thursday night. We just talked, finished talking about if they're going to trade, who will they trade, will they trade, and I think we were all kind of, kind of in limbo to a certain degree, but um. So now I look at the Flames go 0-4, right? Say they go 0-4, and, and it's a disaster in these four games on the road trip. Is, okay, a player trade might not happen. Is Bill Peters on the hot seat if they come back 0-4 and, and it's been an absolute nightmare? I think it's too soon for that. Agree. Um, but the one thing, <clears throat> when we kind of discuss this amongst ourselves, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'll fill in. Uh, I'm going to say no as well. Um, I like Peters as a coach. I don't think, I mean, he's got his own issues. He's a little, he's almost got some of that Glenn Gullitz and stubbornness to him where, you know, no, Troy Brower can definitely lead the power play. He hasn't scored in three years. Don't care. He can do it. Um, you know, it's, he's got some of that stuff where he's like, no, we're going to change things up. We're going to change it up. We're going to change it up. And then two shifts and it's like, all right, everybody go back to where you're supposed to be. Um, so anyway, go ahead, Maddie, you continue your thought. Thank you. As I was saying before, my voice just died on me for a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold season. We're all doing our best here. A hundred percent. No, I was going to say something that's been creeping up on me a little bit is this idea that when he was in Carolina, that there was sort of an issue with him not quite knowing how to manage and develop all of the the young superstars quote unquote like they're very good players that they needed to be getting more out of um there was a reason when lynn holman hannapin came to calgary we were expecting some bigger things for them because they were underperforming there and there was a reason they were underperforming there as well um i can remember stretches where he was playing jeff skinner way way down in the lineup and that's just not the best way to optimize him so i'm not super super worried yet but the fact that He's, again, finding ways to not get as much as he could out of his top players is a little bit concerning, given that history. Fair enough. Gordy, your thoughts? I think, you know, unfortunately, a little bit of politics is going to come into this because, you know, uh, Peters is now Trelving's second personal choice coach. And if he's, you know, let go at some point this year, then that's two coaches that, uh, got, or Chelvings hired himself and have not even, you know, lasted two seasons, which is pretty insane given some of the tenures of other coaches. So I think, you know, if we're talking about trades and stuff, I think it's more likely a core piece gets shipped out than, you know, Chelving gives up on another coach this soon, especially a coach that got the results out of players and the team last year. Yeah, that was going to be one of my thoughts too. It's like, Lindholm came here and flourished under the system here. So did Hannafin. Gaudreau had a career year. Giordano had a career year. Sean Monaghan had like every flame basically had a career year last year and was fantastic. And this year, it just, I don't know. I, 
I don't know, like if you go from being the second best team in the NHL um, to a team that's like, all right, we're tired of listening to this guy. He's lost us. You know, we'll, we'll play like garbage. We'll get him fired. And I think, Gordy, you bring up a good point where Brad Living has hung his hat on Bill Peters as another personal choice. He's going to tinker with the lineup and back his coach because if he dumps his coach, ownership looks at him as like, well, we just extended you and – you can't get Johnny Gaudreau to play. You can't get Sean Monahan to play. Um, and you, you've just gotten rid of another handpicked coach. Okay, now you're the problem. So, you know, I think Trey Living, it could be a case of he's, you know, cut your nose off to spite your face type deal where Peters might, you know, be struggling behind the bench a little bit, but he'll be like, hey, you know what? It's Monahan's fault. Boom, Monahan's gone. You know, mm-hmm. that type of scenario. But I, like I was saying before, I think Peter struggles with some decisions out there, but I also don't think he's totally the immediate problem. I mean, he has what he has on the ice. I mean, Brody's out. I mean, not that Brody was lighting the world on fire when he was there, but still, Brody's a semi-dependable piece. Um, they're out Sam Bennett again. But now that I'm talking myself into this, I'm like, well, <laughs> maybe these players just aren't that good. You know? <laughs> maybe that's part of the problem, you know? And he also... Goudreau, Monaghan, even Kachukas and Lindholm have both fallen off the cliff. Um, and nobody's doing anything. So it's the only people out there that are really doing anything are your two goaltenders and Talbot, who that poor guy might not see two wins all season and still finish with really good numbers outside of wins and losses. Uh, Riddick didn't even meet the team on the ice last night. They all came down to get him and he just skated off and left them by themselves and went to the tunnel. <laughs> like, it's like, that's a guy I don't want to make mad. He's crazy. Um, so to put that all together yes peters may be struggling he may be stubborn with some things you know switching things up and then not letting it sit for a little while when they get in a hole and let things gel but i also like he can't go out there and skate for them he can't be like hey geo put the puck on net not like listening you watch the games or even just listening to the games and wills brought it up the other night he's like you know giordano shoots you know well wide of the net and he's like how many times have I said that recently yeah. <laughs> about any flames? <laughs> you know, he's like, when's the last time flame hit the net? And even last night, Bennington wanted to look like he wanted to give Calgary that game. Mm-hmm. He had no idea where the pucks were coming from. He gave up big rebounds. He didn't look comfortable at all. Yet they still couldn't put the puck past him. You know, and they just they don't take high quality shots. So well, I think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Gordy. Oh, sorry. No, just an aspect of uh, a, a large aspect of the head coach's job that that he does get to influences on the road, you know, the, the weight team has to make the first line switch. So, you know, it comes down to a lot of line matching and with how badly the flames are playing on the road, like they can't even score a goal now. Like Peters might need to, you know, throw the lines in a blender again, because his, his away road game line matching has just been a disaster. The flames have been, you know, a pretty good team at home. I think they're six, three and two, but they're, you know, they've almost lost 10 games on the road now already. And that's just unacceptable. I mean, what if you took Gaudreau and somebody and moved them to like the third line? So mm-hmm. Gaudreau gets a better matchup where maybe he can get some traction and get things moving, you know, put, I, I mean, he and Monaghan definitely need to be split up at this point. It is not working whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't even mind seeing a top line of like Lindholm, Kachuk and, Manjipani, if he's not dead, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you know, those three, like that would be a nice line at the top and then just kind of filter everybody else in, you know, make Gaudreau skate with, I don't know, Froleek and Reader, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, and keep that, keep that powerhouse, Lucic, Ryan and 
Dylan Dubé line together, make them the twos, and then sprinkle everybody else in somewhere. I mean, this is probably why I'm not an NHL head coach or a GM. But, you know, like maybe that's a way to gain some traction. If Monahan or Gaudreau can go up against a team's third line, you might be able to build a little confidence. I mean, teams will probably get smart and start, you know, adjusting as it goes. But I just I don't understand why any of those guys aren't below being or above being moved in the lineup. I think uh, I think a legitimate question we could probably you know venture guesses is you know how many realistic how many more NHL games does like Mark Jankowski get before he, he has to do like anything to warrant yeah. being on the roster most nights like I think he's a guy at this point you know he's probably waiver bound AHL bound if he doesn't you know do anything yeah it's it's mind boggling that he does not have a point yeah, at all, like, like, like nothing. I mean, led the league in shorthanded but points last year, right? It was tied for the league lead in shorthanded points. Can't get a point at all anywhere, you know. He's, he's just invisible most nights too. Like, I'm not sure how much I see of Mark Jankowski and and I. No, no, I'm with you. It's just like I said last night when he jumped in the fight. I'm like, wow, look, he's alive. He's there. <laughs> like he made the trip. Oh, he's got skates on and a helmet. This is amazing. Like, and then immediately you're like, where did he go? What did he do? You know, and I know we've probably talked about this on here before, but like I watched him play in college, like live and in person. Mm-hmm. He's so he's so big. He should be using that body more, like being physical, and he's just not. Like I mean, he's okay to jump in the scrum afterwards, but he's never hitting anybody really hard. He's just kind of just there, like be like, I'll just skate a little bit, I'll get paid, and I'll go home. You know, come back tomorrow and skate a little more and get paid again. It's just I. I don't know. I just I don't see it anymore with Jankowski, which is a shame because he looked like a guy that was going to have some mm-hmm. talent. But maybe all those people who screaming and kicking when they drafted him, well, <laughs> you guys are right. You win, <laughs> you know. And I do wonder a little bit. Uh, I guess sort of a tangent. The the physicality thing, if the lack of that we're seeing is partly to blame the uh, developmental staff coaches, because I do know that bigger players are sort of de-incentivized to play very physically at the lower levels because especially like Canadian juniors, bigger players will just, if you make a regular hit, you might get called for a penalty for that because you're running into a 16 year old, you know, like, so it's tough. I wish somebody would maybe tell him that he's allowed to throw hits now like it's gonna be okay yeah listen big teddy bear go hit somebody be angry you know (laughs) it's like the water boy you know picture making fun of your mama (laughs) something like that you know give some sort of motivation you know but that mental thought that thought in his head be like go go get him killer you know so uh one of the things so it's friday we obviously we do fan poll friday um, each week, and uh, this week's was uh, should the Flames bench a star player or two to send a message? Uh, the options were a hell yeah, it's about time, not sure, or you're nuts, stop sniffing glue. Uh, 87% say hell yeah, it's about time. Uh, thoughts on that is are any of the Flames star players too far into their careers to avoid a night sitting in the box? I mean, Michael Froelich is an NHL veteran a lot more than any of these Flames stars i'm using the rabbit ears um and he's been scratched what three four times so far this season uh would it maybe help sean monahan or johnny gaudreau just to sit up in the box for a night and just watch the game eat some popcorn or is that going to take 
somebody and i know i'm probably reading too far into things and you know because i'm a big believer in the, the johnny's got one foot in calgary and one foot somewhere else um would that push a guy like him to be like you know what forget this place this is ridiculous i'm done here yeah that's kind of the thing i i think about this a lot i don't actually know if i'm convinced that the night in the press box actually helps anything <laughs> the flyers did it a couple of years ago with a uh, shane goss despair and I just like, ugh, why? I I know. I, I know. I just look at it more as like a parent. You're like, you go in timeout. I'm mad yeah. at you. Understand, like, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. So you go sit down and <laughs> no TV for you today. You know, <laughs> it, it, it comes down to are we like, are we benching guys for performance now? Are we benching them? Like, you know, Goudreau and Monaghan. And I think it was Boma got the bench against Toronto a few years ago, but that was for you know, missing curfew or whatever. I'm I'm not convinced this team will, you know, sit down Goudreau to play somebody else, you know, right at the peak of them not scoring because, you know, no yeah. one's going to score more than Johnny. So, yeah, I'm not sure they're going to do, a, you know, a healthy scratch. I don't think that'll – like, like, let's be real, Johnny and Monty are no longer, like, young guys. Like, they're bordering yeah. NHL veterans now. So I'm not sure that's that'll have any effect on them. True. I, I, I go – yeah, I – we threw it out there just like, you know, what do you think? But I, I think that might push a player who maybe isn't happy come, mm-hmm. completely yeah, off the exit ramp and like off the, <laughs> off the runway. <laughs> into the, I'm done. This is, you know, and especially a guy who I think it's known would eventually at some point like to be playing back east, you know, near family and friends like this weekend. Um, <laughs> no, I'm genuinely asking. I don't know. I heard he's from just outside of Philadelphia in New Jersey. I'm, I, I might, I'm going to double check and make sure. Um, and, and for the record, I am still not one of those people that's pounding the table to trade Johnny Gaudreau. I, no. I, 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 I have resigned myself to know that it's going to happen at some point. Is it going to happen in three months? Is it going to happen in two years? I don't know. I just, I feel like he's one of those guys that's never going to finish his contract here. And it's, you know, for lack of a better term, it's going to suck when it happens. Um, so, Johnny, just please put some pucks in the net so we can watch you for a couple more years and be uh, happy and excited. I mean, we'll go from there. Um, a, a potential X factor, too, is if, you know, we, we don't know, but if the Flames management have a legitimate interest in bringing, you know, Calgary and Taylor Hall here via trade or via free agency, then... You know, that would that's that would be three first line left wings on this team. And, you know, that's just not going to work. It already doesn't really work with two, you know, no. top end left wings. No, I, I liken that to I coach a lacrosse team that has three left handed attackmen. It, it, it does not work. There's everybody shooting from one angle. It's, and when you're shooting from that far angle on the left, you you have yeah. anyway, it's it's not good. So, yeah, no. And, um, and that is the big hot one. It's like, oh, they should just trade Kudrow straight up for Taylor Hall. Well, first off, Taylor Hall's not going to sign anything for six point seven five million dollars. So you can put that right in the trash. Yeah. Um, not, not that I'm not that I'm against Taylor Hall. I think, you know, Taylor Hall probably. People will be talking about Johnny Gaudreau like that, but like, oh, I remember how good Gaudreau was, but Calgary was just so bad. You know, like Taylor Hall was like with Edmonton, and then you go, hey, Edmonton was bad. We're going to send you someplace even worse. We're going to send you to New Jersey, play with the Devils. So, um, all right. So I guess that's that. That wraps that. Uh, all that stuff up. Um, Philly this weekend, Dennis, Pittsburgh. Buffalo and it just keeps getting better <laughs> down the line for the old flames. It's uh, not going to be easy, but I think, uh, I think a good showing on this road trip, say they don't win any game, say they go zero and four, right. But maybe they lose in Philly 
four to two. Maybe they lose their other two games, like you know, three to two or four to three, something like that. If they show a little bit of life, I think that might build a little bit of confidence back into everybody. But if they come home back to Calgary with you know being shut out two more times or their doors blown off, I think it's the the uh, the bus will be on fire heading toward a gas station with no brakes filled with puppies. Like it's just not not going to be very good at all. I think even if the Flames would have scored a goal or two last night, you know, the people might not have been so harsh on that game because like, they put 40 shots on goal and that is any night. That's not a bad thing. No, I agree. I think you lose five to two. You'd be like, all right, well, yeah, it sucks. We lost, but hey, at least they put some pucks in the net, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then David yeah, Riddick won't want to kill somebody at the end of the game, but he still <laughs> might, but his rage might be a little less. So you guys got anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Uh, we'll see if they do make it back to Calgary. I'm still predicting a sinkhole opening up under the Wells Fargo Center in Philly because <laughs> well, of how almost... bad the Flyers have been recently. Like, it might just all end there. It's just it'll end in a zero-zero tie after overtime and a shootout. Like they'll just stop the shootout. And be like, listen, this is just terrible. <laughs> just everybody go away. Uh, by the way, Calgary almost didn't make it to Philadelphia because they had a problem with their charter plane last night, so they had to stay in lovely St. Louis. I don't know. Has anybody anybody here have been to St. Louis? Nope. Yeah, I've been to St. Louis. You don't want to get stuck in St. Louis. There's not a lot to do there. <laughs> so, so, so we're just going to stick around in the city where we've been playing terribly for the last, you know, 10 to 15 games. So that that's that's good for team morale. So, all right, gang. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on this afternoon. Uh, we are the Tinderbox, the podcast for matchsticks and gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. If you liked listening to this uplifting what we call it a pause cast because it's so positive today. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Just search Matchstick Match. I can't talk. I've said that thing so many times. Match Sticks and Gasoline or Calgary Flames, and you will find this podcast for your listening. Listening. I quit. I'm done. And I got. And I still got to do one with Brock Street Hockey after this. I'm not going to be able to talk. So. <laughs> Maddie, Gordy, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, have a great weekend and uh, go Flames, go. <laughs> go sinkhole. Go sinkhole. Hashtag go sinkhole.